right, well, hello and welcome to Humaning in Conversation. Today, we have Hallie Dalsimer and myself, Alex Crow, connecting in conversation on the topic of self-discipline as an act of love, uh, which is an underlying principle and intention behind an offering that's been coming through my work um, called Terrain, which I'm sure we'll touch on at some point today. Um, but to begin, I just would love to get us grounded in the body. So if you're in a place where you're able to slow down into stillness, or towards stillness, at least great. If you're in a moving vehicle, please do what you need to do to, you know, be safe, please. As always, uh, for those of you who are new to us here, everything... Um, in this opening set of invitations is just that it's an invitation. Please use your discernment um, to to take on only what is meant for you and um, pass pass on the rest. So I'd like to begin just by bringing our awareness to the breath. Taking some time to begin to gently turn your awareness towards the reality that you're breathing. There's nothing you need to do in this moment about the breath or to the breath. Simply noticing that you're breathing. Noticing how the body is being breathed. And as your awareness is continuing to center in on the breath, just notice where your gaze is, if your eyes have closed or if the gaze is sort of wandering around. If the eyes are closed, that's perfectly fine. If you would like to keep the eyes open, I invite you to cast the eyes earthward a few feet out in front of you, if you're able to do so. And allow the muscles around the eyes to begin to soften so that you can take in a little bit more with your vision, taking in everything at once and nothing in particular. In the martial arts lineage that I practice under, this is called the eagle vision. It's a yin gaze, a receptive gaze in the eyes. Just holding some of your awareness there on your gaze and sharing your awareness with your breath once again. Just a very gentle stretching of the breath in. So as you breathe in, see what it's like to just sip in a little bit more breath. And then allow the exhale to simply fall out of your mouth. Breathing in, just a gentle stretch of the capacity. And falling out the mouth in your own time. 
continuing like this for a few more rounds and you're all breathing in and stretching just a little bit and falling the breath let it fall out the mouth sound might come out it's perfectly welcome yourself receive one or two more of those stretching breaths in and falling breaths out and once you've completed however many rounds your body is saying yes to just allow the breath to come back to a natural rhythm and notice notice the breath once again the gaze Noticing any subtle shifts that you might feel in your physical body after just taking a few deeper breaths. Breath is natural, easeful now, more and more. Whether the eyes are closed or open, I invite you to begin to shift your awareness towards the reality that you are on the earth. You can feel this simply by perhaps noticing where your body is meeting the ground starting there with the physical sensation or perhaps just with the idea that you are on the earth. And begin to allow the sounds that are streaming in from your direct environment, from the sounds that are near to you, sounds that are more distant, just beginning to allow yourself to receive these sounds as a way to ground yourself in your space. Imagining the whole body like an open ear that is able to receive the vibration of the sounds streaming in. Allowing the breath to be natural, the gaze to be soft, whole body receiving sound. See if you can really feel the surround soundness of your environment, the way that sound is coming to me from all sides. Let that help you to feel 
your body as a three-dimensional whole wholeness that is receiving sound, that is being breathed. Letting your awareness gently shift now towards the earth that's directly underneath your body. Remain curious to the best of your ability as you stretch your awareness deeper below you towards the core of the earth, imagining a line of connection between your low center of gravity and the center of the earth just beginning to open that awareness imagine this connection this line and see if you can allow the body to relax and open as that connection is being made between your physical body and the body of the earth the planet as a whole, your body as a whole. Let's invite a few more deeper breaths, just like we did to begin. So just three, stretching the breath in. And as the breath falls out, see if the awareness can return back to that root, that connection with the center of the earth. Two more breaths on your own time. Trusting that that connection is always there, regardless of whether we're aware of it or not. Allow your awareness to come back to those sounds, the surround sounds, the natural breath. Allow our awareness to turn towards the other than human, more than human beings that are surrounding us. Acknowledging the plants that may be surrounding you, the animals, the elements. Acknowledging any energies that you're aware of. And let's also acknowledge the, the spirits of the land 
by acknowledging the the ancestors of the land, the native people that walked this land before you. If you know them by name, you can bring their name into your heart. It's a moment of acknowledgement. And if those native people still reside on the land that you're, you're living within, you can also call them forward to acknowledge their presence. And if there's any other presence that you feel called to acknowledge within your heart or bring your awareness to in this moment, you're welcome to. Of course, let us acknowledge our individual presence, our personal presence, each one of us. Acknowledging that all of us have chosen to gather in this conversation today through space and time. And we'll take another deep breath in. hear about this this topic this notion of self-discipline as an act of love that you brought you brought up when we were in contact yesterday and um yeah I guess maybe how how that understanding has been arising in you or anything else that you'd like to share about it and about how it's um informing your practice and your offerings yeah thank you um so self self-discipline as an act of love is an insight that i feel like has been really taking root and and forming in pretty profound ways in my life so 
you know, I've been living a life of daily ritual, daily practice for some years now, um, on and off in intensity. And as my path has, has taken me, I've been shifting towards pretty, um, pretty strong devotion to my practices where if I don't attend to my practice in some way, and what I mean by my practice, I mean anything that helps me to root back into myself, that helps me to ground into my body, that helps me to remember my deeper intentions for being, you know, what I'm wishing to create, what I'm wishing to um, embody in my life. So anything that helps me into that space, uh, if I don't attend to it, if I don't uh, bring myself into that space every single day, I notice the impact more and more profoundly. And so what I've come to realize is that this discipline, uh, discipline to show up in a committed way to my own growth is, is an act of love in that I'm I'm following through on my own commitment to self and to really to the what I might call like the evolution of our human race. Like just just wanting to participate in our evolution. Um and you know discipline is a word that I have had not not so pleasant of a relationship with in the past. Um, I imagine I'm not alone in that. My schooling uh, growing up was a pretty perfect example of how discipline was used um, as a form of punishment. And so my relationship to discipline always had this sort of negative uh, harmful connotation in that I was being disciplined by the outside to perform in a certain way. And now that I have, you know, healed some of that and come to understand what the real purpose of discipline is, it's not something that I think, dare I say, should, even though shoulds are kind of like at the core of what uh, what is harmful about discipline. I, I wonder rather if discipline uh, is meant to be something that is cultivated from within and acted upon from within as opposed to enforced from the external. So this is what's been on my mind recently. And in my work, a lot of what I have been doing recently is finding myself supporting individuals in establishing healthy rhythms and rituals for their life uh, so they can live a life of embodied presence in alignment with what they truly desire as opposed to what they've been conditioned to want and need. Um, and the biggest obstacle that I find is discipline, this, this ability to show up consistently. Um, and so this is a this is a really interesting conversation to be, you know, like tr really wanting to understand what those limitations are, what gets in our way of showing up for ourselves and for our growth. 
for the sake of everyone. Um, and, you know, how might we rewrite our understanding of discipline? Mm-hmm. Mm. I, I love that. Thank you for that. I, I just, I want to just highlight, and I'm, this isn't a direct quote because I didn't catch all of your languaging precisely, but I love that you took that moment to define what you meant by your practice. And these, there were these three elements that you named. And the first was, you know, that anything that helps, helps you or helps one to root into self and ground into body. And I'm going to use the word reorient because I didn't catch, I couldn't recall the word, the precise word you used, but reorient into your intentions for being. And I just, I love that so much as, as someone who in my own, uh, in the, my own relationship, my own evolving relationship to systems of practice, as someone who really, really early on was very drawn to very like precise systems of practice, like I always really loved, um, Ashtanga yoga practice, you know, something that's really vigorous and very clear and has a set routine. And, and my approach to my dance practice was also very technically oriented. And, and over time, part of the, the shifts that I have come to realize are necessary in myself is to get away from this, this sort of, um, prescriptive form of practice like this is what the system says so this is what I do and getting into a more responsive relationship to how I'm using all of the tools that I've cultivated over my life so far and and it's so interesting I feel like yeah this notion of discipline and the way that, as you said, you know, it, it's something that was um, enforced or imposed on us, you know, and the, the moving away from this, like, over-muscling of will, whether it's my own will or an external will that is, like, acting on and through me into a more um, responsive, listening-based uh, orientation to navigating reality moment by moment to just living my life as much as possible from a place of responsive embodied listening, like checking in with myself here in this moment on the earth in relationship to all that is and all that's in my field. Um, that I've, I've really over, I would say this last seven years in particular since I started dealing with chronic pain and injury like that has been one of the primary lessons is that reorientation and so I've really struggled with being disciplined in my practice and so I just I love this definition of practice that is not about um is not about doing, but is about like the why behind the doing and really being like, okay, what is, what is the, what is the 
practice in service to and that being my orientation point and and I feel like I've been doing that in maybe just in this last nine or ten months I feel like I've been finding that more consistently of of necessity in dealing with the ongoing injury and and pain stuff and so yeah I I felt so defeated in that process by like trying to practice these systems that I had learned and then because that was an act of will and not an act of listening like it just actually created more dysfunction in my body and so this going from like that place of like rigorous disciplined following of somebody else's prescription or rules or steps to this place of more like open-ended responsive flow and now really feeling the necessity of having a a more devoted way of showing up for myself, you know, because I think in that space of of responsive flow, like it can be easy to not show up to check in and take that dedicated moment to root into myself and ground into my body, into this day, into the present moment, and to to remind myself to reinvigorate my sense of purpose. And so I love that so much. So thank you. That feels like a real gift, the way you articulated that. And just just one more thing that I'd like to say is just this this notion of discipline. I opened up a, a dictionary or definition in Merriam-Webster online, and there are a number of definitions. The first, control gained by enforcing obedience or order. Um, feels very much like what you spoke to in that childhood experience. Um, Orderly or prescribed conduct or pattern of behavior. There's a shift there. C, this is all the number one, there are six. Um, Self-control. And that's, that's an interesting notion too, is like this notion of control, which is like one of I don't know, feels like a way that we are creating a dynamic, a power dynamic that's maybe not, I don't know, maybe is more in line with that enforcing obedience notion. Um, Two, discipline as punishment. Three, as training that corrects, molds, or perfects the mental faculties or moral character. Four, and this is the one that came up when I was thinking about the word discipline yesterday, a field of study. And that I love, this notion of a a discipline is a field of study. And then five, a rule of systems, a, a rule or system of rules governing conduct or activity. And and there's something in what you said about internally cultivated discipline versus externally imposed discipline that I think like we can, I don't love the languaging of that, but really kind of resonates with that notion of how am I showing up and checking in with 
myself and my values in a way that informs my behavior, right? How am I creating an own internal code of conduct, not based on any kind of external standard, but based on, you know, the, the mining of my, of my heart, my soul, my being, my care. And how am I then holding myself accountable in a way that I'm making myself available and prioritizing, noticing when I step out of that alignment. So I love those. Oh, and the sixth one, just because I said there were six, is obsolete. And it was uh, the definition of instruction, which is also interesting. So anyway, that's my ramble. Um, responses? Thank you so much. Wow, just so rich. Um, let's see if I can, you know, there, there were a few pieces in there that I feel like I was like lit up by. The one that is sticking right now is this reflection upon um, form and flow like this this desire and at least for me as a creative person as as someone who can better himself an artist I, I i value space enough spaciousness for flow to occur and i think this was probably the biggest obstacle that i came up against in my own journey of, of truly really deeply understanding what discipline is um it, it's like i thought that putting i thought that showing up in a in a in a particular way every day before i really came to the understanding of that my intention for showing up is really the key um i thought that the container would would somehow limit me and the container of my practice would limit me somehow that I wouldn't be able to um, feel free to express myself fully and it really wasn't until honestly I don't think it was until very recently when I started practicing Qigong where I started to understand that the form when it is truly in alignment with um, with harmony, like the natural way that energy flows in the world, it facilitates freedom. You know, like these, these, you know, the forms that I've been learning in Qigong, they're very specific. They are, they are meant to be done in a particular way. And yet all of us, because all of our bodies are so unique, we're going to embody them completely uniquely, but it's specific sort of map that we follow. And through that specificity, I am able to more deeply understand the way that she flows without the structure of that form. I'm sure I could find my way to it, but it, 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 the structure actually facilitates that, that sense of freedom. It helps to contain the infinity so that I can come to have an experience of some of that um, 
infinite possibility within my own body. And so something about what you brought up really like sparked this really important piece of this conversation that I'm glad that we're touching on, which is what are the containers that help us to show up in this committed way, in this in this loving, this loving, disciplined way? Um, what are the structures that facilitate that? And I think the the intention is the foundation. You know, our why I think is actually the the fabric of you could say the fabric of or like the material that holds that container. Um, and even when I say the word container, I think of like a rigid structure, but really an ideal container has enough uh, fluidity and tension, just the right amount of balance of freedom and form to be able to hold infinite, like infinite possibility within it. Um, and that, that brings me to what I've learned actually from, from working with you, Hallie, in the in the dance space, there's, you know, these movement improvisational uh, avenues that we that we walk down, where it's like without without some sort of directive, without without a little bit of containment, it feels almost impossible to make a choice. And so there's an interesting parallel there with like seeing people struggle to show up. It's like, oh yeah, like there's no container, there's there's nothing to help us show up. You know, we have to create that almost for ourselves, which which is why I created terrain, which is this this three day home retreat is essentially a container through which we can explore what it means to live a life of ritual, life of embodied presence, embodied listening, um, to give us a direction you know, to start to feel our freedoms. Hmm. I love that. I think that that notion of, you know, how do we create containers that are adaptive, adaptive enough to allow us to meet the intention to fulfill the why in the way that is aligned today or in this moment instead of presuming that it will always be the same you know like that's been my question and it feels like you're you're speaking to that as well and um yeah I think that that recognition that when we're just in the open-ended infinity like that's that can be uh overwhelming in a way that really I think for for me and as someone who has uh not had a real like clear structure around my work for many years like that's also something that I've really struggled with you know very different from the many years that I worked in restaurants where it's like oh I show up and I do a thing and I get to leave and and then when it's all up to me it can feel a lot harder to uh, to have a sense that I'm using my time well, you know? And so it's like, even that notion of free time, um, you know, it's like, if all of my time is free, there's a way that 
personally, you know, that I have felt like none of it is free because there's always something I should or could be doing that would be productive or generative or like getting me, I don't know, progress on my path or whatever that, whatever that drive, um, for a sense of accomplishment is. Whereas I remember, you know, when I was inside of situations like school or having a job that I showed up to instead of my work being sort of self-directed, you know, that the, the clarity of the time that I was not doing those things, there was a, a whole different sense of freedom in how I used it. And so I, like, just another example from my own life of how, how having some limitation does actually support that sense of freedom. Um, this, that feels like a little bit of a, a tangent though related to the conversation, but you, you started to name, uh, how this, this notion filters into terrain. And so I'd love maybe to take this moment for you to tell us about terrain and what it is and, and how, how you're setting that up, that, how you're setting up this container to invite us into, um, into creating this loving self-discipline in, in ritualizing our, our daily lives. Yeah. Thank you for the invitation to share a little bit more. Um, so what I've chosen to do, you know, I, I've, I've held retreat for many years and, you know, gathered people in a physical space and, you know, had the accommodations and what's beautiful about a physical, you know, in-person retreat is that the whole container is, is held for us, you know, like everyone's there in the same space. We have the accommodations set up, usually set up by an outside party of some kind. Someone's cooking us food every day, you know, and the participants get to come and just totally let go into what is being presented, like the rhythmic, the rhythmic timing of things, showing up to things like it, it kind of is like effortless in a way, you know, you can kind of just show up and it, it feels easy to sort of um, drop into that, that commitment to be there. You know, you've, you've carved out all this time to, to show up and you've probably traveled to get there. And what I wanted to try and do is to create a bridge for people to take that experience, to have a similar sort of experience where they're on retreat, it's a contained amount of time, but they're holding those containers, that those, those boundaries, they are responsible for upholding them themselves. And what I have created is essentially basically it's like a day full of invitations that you could either take up or, or not. Um, and you get to hold yourself accountable while also having support from me and also the other participants that will be there, at least for the live version of the offering. And then every day while we're in this home retreat, each day let's have some space, casual space for talking and reflecting and, and being in conversation about what's arising and what the obstacles are because the I think one of the most beautiful things about you know gathering in person is the communal aspect 
And so even though I'm hoping to help people build that, the, the self-discipline, it's also important that we connect in community and feel together in it, you know, which, which does help to strengthen our resolve to keep showing up. Um, so that's the overarching sort of structure and, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting, you know, like in sharing it, I've had so many people reach out to me like, wow, you know, it just looks amazing. I just, I just don't think I can take away that much. I don't think I have the time, you know, to like carve out that much space. And I totally get it. I know I get, I get the, the, the feeling of that, you know, like having no time. And I guess I'll just, I'll wrap this up by saying that, or that sharing rather, that one of my, my teachers who's a Zen, Zen Buddhist, he says like, in terms of meditation, like creating space for meditation, he's like, if you feel that you don't have time to practice meditation, you know, if you, if you can't sit for 20 minutes, you don't have time to sit for 20 minutes, then you should sit for an hour. <laughs> you know, if you can't sit for an hour, sit for even longer. It's basically like, the, what he's trying to say is the, 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 the foundational practice of meditation is creating space for meditation. And so there's something about, you know, a part of the ways that we show up for ourselves and and begin to rewrite our patterns that are more in alignment with with our growth and our connection to self it requires that create space for it and so there is this sort of it almost feels like a sacrifice in the beginning um, because we're we're giving up something that perhaps we you know we're just used to always having or what makes us feel comfortable you know and and breaking through the comfort zone is often the thing that is the hardest thing to do, you know, to create space for something new. It, it requires a sort of vigor. Um, and that's, that's also a piece of the discipline that I think gets, uh, we miss the gift of discipline, which is like the, the strength that gets cultivated, the muscle of our will. And I think you pointed to that earlier. It's like the muscle of our will gets, fortified and strengthened the more and more that we show up the more space we can carve out you know for what is really important to us um which you know especially in this world with so much coming at us our conditioning you know tells us to live in a certain way to create space for certain things and to prioritize some things over others you know to rewrite that it really is going against the grain you know and to come up against that resistance takes a lot of courage. So that's a lot that I've just said. <laughs> I'm going to open the space again to you. Thanks. Thanks for telling us about that. I also want to recognize the time. So if anyone else in who's listening here with us live wants to join in the conversation, either with thoughts or questions, feel free to raise your hand. Um, I'm so excited about this offering and I, I, I love the format of the home retreat because I feel like what you named about, about the retreat, like the in-person retreat, like it's, and we've had conversations about this 
this word retreat before, you know, and it's like this notion of retreat as escape almost, you know, where it's like, oh, I have to get away from my life in order to drop into practice, to drop into devotion, to drop into my intention, to cultivate my creativity, to restore and replenish and reinvigorate my practice or to learn something new. And, and I think that model of needing to, like, I, I so appreciate that space and the privilege to have been able to experience that kind of space, to have the resources to be able to step out of my day-to-day life and prioritize myself in that way of, of taking that time and opportunity to be held in a container. And I just, I want to just recognize like how immense a privilege it is to be able to do that. And, and so I'm really grateful for those spaces, the, the few times that I've entered them and also, you know, in other contexts, like a training context, you know, of like going to (laughs) dance camp not really camp, but, you know, like to do intensive extended training in what was at the time my field, you know, and, and those opportunities are so deepening. And I think sometimes the challenge with them is that then we get back into the rhythm of our day-to-day lives and we don't have someone cooking for us and we haven't, you know, and we're back to having to navigate our technology and communications and caretaking in whatever ways we do the people that we're in close relationship with, our families or whomever else that might be. And and we do feel like we don't have time to to practice all the things that we do when we're in that retreated space. You know, and so I love this this the sort of demand of this invitation of the home retreat of like, how do we actually prioritize these things as we're also navigating the logistics of there always being more dishes and, you know, the interruptions of friends, partners, children, animals, whomever is, you know, in our space and asking for our attention or needing, asking to have their needs met. And and I think there's such beauty in in that. And it's funny that you brought that up. And maybe I've heard that from you before. But as you were speaking to it, you know, the the feedback that you've gotten of like, oh, I love this so much. And I just don't know if I, I don't think I can make the time or take the time. You know, that exact phrase of like, when you don't have time to meditate, meditate, um, actually popped into my head. So I don't know if I'd heard it elsewhere or I've heard it from you in the past, but it it is that very thing where it's like i think so often the the notion or the prospect of having to incorporate something new into our into our day into our schedule when we already feel taxed or overstretched or overwhelmed feels so daunting that it's easier to stay in the, like the, the familiar discomfort that we're already in. And it can feel, you know, it feels like, oh, well, it's too much to like stretch a little bit into this, this unknown discomfort, which may actually be the very thing that would alleviate the present discomfort, you know, and it it just, it reminds me of the notion that like, 
of growing pains, you know, that like stretch is uncomfortable, but that's also where growth happens. That's also where capacity and flexibility are cultivated. And so, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. I love, I haven't, I haven't encountered this sort of, um, conception of a container of doing something like this. Like I, I have a little bit in like, kind of like half day bits or just being on zoom all day in present, present time where it's like, you're still dropping all the stuff. But I love this notion of like, we're still living our lives. And also we are being called and held in creating devotional space in and throughout our day amidst all the things. So very cool. Very, very cool and inspiring. And yeah. Yeah. I'm, I was super curious to see how it's going to feel for myself and also for the other participants. You know, I've, <laughs> it's been really hilarious because pretty much every time I have tried to like, share about this thing or talk about it in any capacity i am every single time i am presented with so many distractions like interruptions on interruptions on interruptions and it's been so perfect because that's exactly what life is like man it's not this like perfect perfect space where you just feel total peace and ability to just move through everything with ease like nah man it's hard this is hard this is really challenging to stay focused when your dog wants to play with you and your partner just got home from work and you want to hang out with them and like whatever it is you know it's all these different things being able to and again creating the containers is it has many meanings and it's also as creates the space for what we truly, truly, truly in our hearts know is meant for us. It's, it, it is also helping us to establish clear boundaries, you know, with, with, with all of our interactions, all of our interrelations, you know, now more than ever in the world, I feel like there's been so much pressure coming from external forces trying to sway us convince us push us in directions that are actually not they're not at all in alignment with with what we know is true and good and and worth worth embodying you know and so to be able to create this space like this this weekend of cultivated presence you know, this can filter through in so many ways, being able to hold our boundaries more clear with more, more authenticity, with more, you know, true knowing of what our real intention is and, and strengthening that by practicing it, having the direct experience with it, not just thinking about it, you know, but really embodying it. Um, I feel a lot of passion around this, you know, it just feels like, this is not a time to be doing things like we've always done them just because, you know, it, even like saying that it's overwhelming. It's like it, it, life is overwhelming in general right now. Like, I don't know if we're going to get out of that, you know? So like, if we're going to, if we're going to make 
positive change and be a part of that, I think it's going to require a lot of strength and will encourage to keep stretching into those growing pains, as you so eloquently put, you know, it's like, I'm not sure what other choice we have if we really want liberation on all fronts. Word. Yeah, I feel, I feel your passion on that. And I, I, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's the thing is like, there's so much and all of the ways that we can resource ourselves to show up for as I love the late, how you language that, you know, for liberation on all fronts. Um, you know, like that takes fortitude. It takes stamina. It takes rest. It takes knowing how to recharge, knowing when to rest, you know, and, and I think all of the ways that we can learn to listen in to the need of the moment, both internally and externally, and and navigate those sometimes like conflicting <laughs> needs, realities, the internal and the external. And also I think to trust that when we, when we do prioritize our, our wholeness, our wellness, that that actually is the thing that allows us to show up in the best way, in the most aligned way, in the most um, integrous way for those external, to meet those external needs and demands. And, you know, and something that you said, you know, this made me think, you know, it's this, this discipline of not indulging the distractions, which is something that I honestly really struggle with. And it's something I've been really grappling with in my primary romantic relationship and my partnership is, uh, you know, my own sort of conditioned survival mechanisms of, of being a fixer and making myself overly available, especially when I perceive, and I'll also say like misperceive sometimes that there is, um, a schism or a, a, something that needs my fixing. Like I'm an emotional fixer. So when I feel like somebody else's emotions going somewhere that like, you know, and I, I feel it viscerally, I feel those shifts really viscerally and it, it triggers this deep old now very maladaptive response in me to try to like make everybody okay so that they stay or, you know, that, so that I can still, so that I'm not left or what, whatever that is, that's a whole nother story anyway. Um, but yeah, as I'm navigating that, you know, it's like just grappling with how much I allow myself to be distracted, how much I allow my time to be hijacked, you know, and, and recognizing that I'm doing that, like I'm allowing that. And so I can't blame it on this other person. And it's a long-standing pattern. It's something I've done with housemates. It's something I've done in past relationships. And like, I'm really, really 
being confronted with it now in a way that it's like this pattern has to change. And so this, this discipline, cultivating this discipline of not indulging the distraction, whether it's because I'm afraid that if I don't abandon the thing that I've chosen to focus on and give my attention to this other person, that they're going to leave or be mad at me or that it's going to cause some kind of like schism or more, I don't know, more work later, (laughs) you know, if I can learn to trust that. Because when I do allow myself to be distracted, that actually ends up building resentment. It ends up depleting me in a way that actually causes a lot of those things that I'm afraid of. You know, it's like if I'm, if I'm not following through with my own priorities out of fear that it's going to impact my relationship negatively if I don't make myself compulsively available, then like I'm, I'm the one who then is creating a dynamic that is out of balance, you know? And so I feel like there's just, there's something in that and, and there's something too about the language of will, which is something that like, because this like over muscling will through will, I feel like is a very cultural thing, part of the whole like way that this, the culture that we live in in the United States is so like out of balance in this like overactive young way. And I feel like that is a lot of over muscling of will, this sort of mind over matter mentality that's not at all based on listening. And, and so like for me, the language of, of commitment and devotion, which is something that I'm drawing from the gene keys, I believe it's gene key either 29 or 30. It's one of mine. And, um, and, and the shadow is half heartedness and the city is devotion and the pathway, the gift is commitment. And so I think there's, you know, and and I, as I was speaking before about this whole, like moving away from adhering to externally imposed systems or structures and trying to create this space and practice of responsive embodied listening and allowing that to guide me into flow. Like there's been this question of like, okay, and what, what then in that context, what does commitment even mean? Right. And, and so like, there's something about that's coming kind of clearer and clearer about committing to that practice of, of grounding and rooting and centering in myself, in my body, on the earth, in this moment, in present time as a way to continually reorient from all of the distractions so that I can reinvigorate my values and priorities and check in with like where I'm falling out of alignment with those in where I'm focusing my time or energy or attention so that I can like be in this deep commitment to to evolution, to my own evolution, to, as you shared before, the evolution of, of humanity, to the unfolding of like, I don't know, the, the most like equitable, sustainable future I can imagine, and maybe beyond even what I can imagine. And 
and like how am I how am I committing to checking in with whether or not I'm truly showing up for that and checking in with the ways that I am checking out or going on autopilot or acting out of fear in ways that actually don't support that don't align with that and like that being like a truly devotional practice and in the in the broadest sense of like devotion not just to self but devotion to um to being the best uh best contributor best participant best collaborator I can be within this whole you know earth school experiment of like me here as part of this beautiful everything and also like all the stuff that it even amidst all the stuff that doesn't feel beautiful to me that was a lot I'm gonna stop there
you'll be able to notice it more clearly. That's that's the idea with why we practice at all, why we have practices is ideally so that we can start to embody those practices in our mundane everyday moments. And that's what I mean when I say living a life of ritual. I mean living a life where there is spaciousness or presence or that adaptive embodied listening, as we have said so many times in this conversation, um, you know, where, where there is space for that presence in everything that we do, you know? And I mean, that's what I understand being awake to be, you know, living, living, oh, 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 living a life awake, you know, is, is, is that, you know, an embodied life. Um, there's one other thing that you pointed to, too, that I just wanted to echo back, which I am so 100% there with you on, which is that as we tend to our health and wellness and wholeness, as we commit to maintaining and cultivating that wholeness, all of our relations are tended to. It's almost as if it's simultaneous that as we are tending to ourselves, we are tending to the whole. You know, our all of our relationships become more clear. I I have found this that for sure that the more I have cultivated myself and healed my relationship with myself and my body, the more space I have for compassion with other people the more clarity I have of mind to be able to discern what is really happening to, you know, to not take things so personally, like all of the healing that I've done personally has helped me to be in relationship with mother, with the earth, you know, and it's like, as the awareness grows, we're able to see more of what's really happening and be in, uh, you know, more aligned relationship Yeah, I was just doing that nodding and nodding and nodding thing with a with a soft gaze out the window and seeing the the fir trees outside my window like nodding with me. <laughs> they were waving in a real particular way that also felt like a big yes to to all that you were just speaking to. Um <laughs> Yeah, I think what you were naming there, you know, it's like we do the practices so that we are practicing more and more as we move through our day. You know, it's it's like muscle memory, metaphorical muscle memory, or maybe like neural muscle memory, neural memory, I don't know, neural pathways, perhaps. You know, it's like we're this this no- notion of witnessing our thoughts right of of locating ourselves not within the thoughts but as the noticer of the thoughts you know i like i personally use the language of noticing a lot i think in large part inspired by um a series of workshops i was fortunate to do with the really incredible dance artist deborah hay and this notion that she introduced of noticing with without naming, which is, I feel like 
parallels a lot of um, it, like what I understand of of Buddhist thought and meditation practice um, that I've understood through my own study and experience. But this notion that like, can I, how much can I cultivate my capacity to notice, right? So that I can become ever more available to notice the gap between my intentions and my impact, right? Because as we're trying to show up for ourselves and in our relationships and for like transformative change in the world and all of these systems and structures of harm, like there are, we, we fuck up, you know, like we're going to make mistakes. There are going to be gaps. There are going to be misperceptions. There are going to be unconscious behaviors that we're acting out that are acting through us that are part of those systems. There are going to be projections that we are putting on others because of things that we've lived through there there's just there's so much that is filtering our perception and i think the more that we as you said touch in with our why and again and again and again and again and allow it to shift you know as our understanding changes as our priorities shift as our values grow to reflect the new and more expansive ways that we are understanding ourselves in our reality and the context within which we find ourselves and the you know and the more we learn of the histories and how they shape this present moment like the more that we allow our why to evolve with our understanding and the more we cultivate our capacity to notice you know, the more we can become accountable and take responsibility for and act to in service to repair when we are able to recognize that, oh, like from the way that that landed, like the way the response that I'm receiving, the reaction that I'm perceiving, like my intention did not come through in that action or in what I just said. And like the impact was something very other than my intention. And in recognizing that, like, can I take the responsibility for trying to bridge that gap through inquiry, through curiosity, through invitation, through acknowledgement, through apology, through taking responsibility, through accountability. And I just, I feel so so invested in that and I'm really getting some opportunities to practice in my personal life right now which is you know confronting but it just it feels so vital to 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 humaning in an integrous way at least for me so yeah so yes so lots lots and lots of yes to to this to this conversation
so much that I'm able to understand more clearly about myself by being in conversation and making the choice to um, create this little container for us to explore these concepts has been such a gift and just evidence for me of, um, you know, what it, what it feels like when I'm in alignment, you know, when my commitments are really serving my truest why, you know, um, self-illumination and, and the space to collaborate with others and to illuminate other people's minds and lift each other up in these really confusing times. <laughs> so just, just wanted that to be said and um, feeling grateful for for this conversation with you today, Hallie, and so thankful for all of your self-cultivation and everything that you've devoted your life to, all the ways that you are paying attention, offering your attention. Um, I'm really grateful for it. So thank you, my friend. Oh, thank you, friend. That that means a lot. All all of it. Um, the the recognition and. And I, I return it to you also, you know, received and reciprocated. I'm, I'm grateful for you and how you are showing up for yourself and how you're showing up then in our relationship. And, and I, I feel so, um, also so grateful for this shared space and to get to be in conversation with you and with Allie and Ashley who are not here with us today. Um, it, it does feel like, like this commitment to showing up for this is so, such an enriching part of my life, of my week, and like getting to, I feel like we're getting to be in practice together, right? And these conversations are are a practice, they're an opportunity for us to, you know, ground and root and center into ourselves, into this moment, into togetherness, into the conversation and to reflect on, on our, like on our why from different angles, you know, and through different lenses and through the, the filters of these different sort of contexts or concepts that we are engaging in our, in our daily lives that are coming up for us in real ways. Um, and that we get to kind of check in with each other. Like it just feels like such a gift for me and it's, it's really affirming and supportive. And so I'm so grateful. Um, yeah, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if there are any, I don't know, last, last thoughts or, um, or any particular way in these last minutes that we have scheduled together to, uh, to close out. Yeah. Just really thank you for the opportunity to share. And just lots of love, really, like in my heart, truly right now, I just feel a lot of love. Yeah. If there's anything else that we want to close with, I think that feels pretty complete, huh? Yep. 
Great. I love you so much. Alex, thank you so much for this conversation. And um, yeah, I look forward to being in conversation with you again soon. Much love, many thanks. Until we meet again.